Welcome to The Secret Life of Dietitians. I'm Laura Poland. And I'm Amy Keller. 2021 is drawing to a close. Yay! (laughs) (laughs) Been a long year. It has been. But we thought we'd end this year's podcast um, looking back a little bit. Uh, We've had 57 episodes. That's hard to believe. That is really hard to believe. (laughs) Back in 2018 when we didn't know any better. I know. (laughs) But we thought we'd look back on some of our favorite episodes and some of your favorite episodes. These are the ones that you have listened to the most Mm -hmm. and given us sometimes even the most feedback about. Yep. And we're hoping as you're drawing, you know, your year to a close that maybe some of the things that we talk about today you'll be able to take into 2022. And if you're a new listener to us, we invite you to go back with us and listen to these podcasts in their entirety. Uh, In the show notes for this episode, Laura will post links. And of course, if you have a podcast app, you should be able to generally go back and look at previous podcasts. So if you're on Apple or Spotify or wherever you podcast, Hopefully you can look back easily. But like I said, if it's not easy for you to do that, Laura will have those in the show notes as well. So sit back, relax, get a beverage, put on your New Year's Eve hat, (laughs) and let's get ready for 2022. That was actually fun. It was fun. Yeah. And I I will apologize because I know some of it happened, I think, in the, in the, the ones that I listened to in the moment of the pandemic when we were trying to figure out the technology of recording at home versus our sound booth and all that. So, uh, there were some kitty cat noises in the back of it. The one. Forgive our our tech. I hope that we're figuring this out. Yeah, um, and I'm hoping in 2022 I don't have to do this from the basement anymore. But right, who knows? Who knows? Who knows? So the first episode we uh, have gotten a lot of good feedback on, and was one of our most listened was the one where we talked about "Eat Like a King." That was the title. It, the original air date on that was August 5th, 2020. And basically, we were looking at, should you eat breakfast like a king? I've heard, I had heard that a lot, that adage a lot. We talked about the origin of where that, that came from. I will let you discover that from listening back to that episode. Uh, we had a lot of fun talking about, uh, Adelaide Davis, who coined the phrase, eat breakfast like a king, lunch like a prince, and dinner like a pauper. Uh, she had some great quotes too. And, Basically, what we kind of got into talking about, you know, is when we eat, is that important? Uh, and we know that time-restricted feeding is all the rage, and it really is still so. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when you restrict the hours, are you really just eating less was, I think, the question you asked, Amy, which is a right. good question. Uh, or is there something metabolically happening when you eat more? And you did a, a summary of a study uh, in the UK on chrononutrition, and it asked if, is when we eat as important as what we eat? Right. Recommending that eating most calories later in day was causing weight gain, uh, but 
we pointed out, though it was really a weak link in the research that we found. And then I had looked right. at some uh, information too on this, and basically they found that there's about four patterns identified to eating patterns that we live by. And what we found is the findings were people who ate more in the evening compared to the morning had a higher BMI. BMI is your body mass index, which is a weight for height ratio, basically. So they they were higher weights for their height. And then people eating between meals also had more body fat. And people who didn't eat breakfast ate more later in the day and had a higher BMI as well. And so I, I'm sorry, that was the study that I had reviewed, the summary of the UK study. And but it was kind of a small study. And then Amy, you had looked at a study, and it this was a small study of people who ate higher calorie breakfast. What they found out were two times up, to, they burned up to two times the calories during the day than people who ate late at night. And they found that insulin was less dramatically affected by larger breakfast. And by flipping their meals, uh, 70% calories from breakfast versus dinner gave our cravings an advantage as well. So we craved food less when we were eating a bigger breakfast. Right. Um, You need some updates with this, though. Right, because that was the question, right? Is like, has there been any updates to this? And basically... You know, there was a study, but it was a, it was interesting. It was based in, um, it it was a Serbia study, Serbian study. And they did look at 74 kids and 260 adults. So it was a decent number, but they used 24 hour recall, (laughs) which we know how good we are at recalling our, you know, what we ate. And they basically, they were looking at did meal timing affect diet quality and body mass index? And in a nutshell, and I'll include the link to this study in our show notes, but the conclusion was that an earlier meal pattern, especially consuming the largest meal of the day earlier in the day, and for them it was lunch. I'll I'll let you know it wasn't breakfast, it was lunch. But that was associated with better quality diets. And basically, you know, public health efforts need to be encouraged, they said, to encourage people to eat more earlier in the day. And and, and so I don't know what you think about that, but I mean, our conclusion, right. go ahead. We'll, we'll get to this. And when we go through another podcast review, I think this is extremely logical based on what we see in practice. Absolutely. And maybe even just personally. <laughs> you know, if I eat a bigger breakfast, I tend to eat less at night. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, and unfortunately, most diet programs or schools of thought around eating are to restrict, restrict, restrict breakfast, lunch, hardly anything. Coffee is not breakfast. And by the time you get home in the evening, you're really quite hungry. Yeah. And that may not be as good for us metabolically in terms of our insulin response to right. eat a bunch at night. The other thing I think is most of us don't make great decisions when we're tired. Right. Yeah. Um, I always think nobody's raiding the veggie tray. at 10 <laughs> I was going to bring that up. I, I like literally pulled that out of the podcast. Right. I was like, right. I thought that nobody's was the best thing you said is like, yeah, nobody eats 
the veggies at night. Maybe dietitians. You 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 know you're a dietitian if you know. Right. You're <laughs> but, going, for, going for things that are carby and mm-hmm. quick and satisfying, and a lot of that's just your brain chemistry wanting some of that serotonin to help you go to sleep. Yeah. Uh, this is this is not necessarily. I mean, it's interesting research, mm-hmm. but I think what we can take away from it is that restricting early in the day to save calories for later in the day yeah. is not likely to be an effective weight management strategy. Exactly. So if we can get back to that old adage of eating more during the day, it doesn't mean that you can't eat dinner or that you have to just like have like a teeny tiny portion. That's not what we're talking right. about. Right. But having a good balanced breakfast with two to three food groups, mm-hmm. not skipping lunch, not for going lunch with many people do. And then, you know, when you find when you get home, you're not as hungry, your, your cravings are lower. And yeah. then, you know, by maybe by bedtime, you're maybe able to reach for just a cup of tea mm-hmm. and satisfied with that rather than hitting the snack cabinet. Yeah, I totally agree. I see that all the time with clients. And I think that's kind of where we landed in this podcast was, you know, ideally, yeah, we all need to look at Take some food records, see what you're doing. If most of your calories are coming at night, find a way to eat more during the day. Even, and so I think you said, like, basically eat like a person, a person, and a person instead of the king, queen, and pauper. (laughs) So, yep. So, so Adele Davis. Yep. Are awesome. She rocked. <laughs> she rocked. Those quotes were amazing. So, I highly recommend you go back and listen to that one. <laughs> so, our next episode was that we I want to re- revisit today is the holiday family go to eating tips. Yes. This original air date was back in December of 2020. And I actually didn't attend this one. No, you were a little swamped at work, I believe, and overworked. <laughs> As I still am today, apparently. <laughs> but um, but this one has, it, it stood up and we got so many good uh, listens out of this one. Right, um, absolutely. And uh, we had Michelle back uh, recently mm-hmm. as a podcast guest. But it was interesting for me to listen to this as not participating in it. To hear your comments <laughs> and to hear your ideas. And what I took away from this was, you know, we talk about not excluding foods, especially at this time of year. It's really hard to tell kids you can't have these things at this time of year because that's not really, it's not realistic. Right. And frankly, if they don't eat them at home, they're going to eat them somewhere. Right. (laughs) And, you know, if you're restricting cookies and candy at home to never your kid is going to end up eating them and they're going to not tell you about it. And that's not a good position for a parent to be in. Right. Yeah. So what Michelle introduced was this go, woe and slow foods or go slow and woe foods, Mm -hmm. which is that stoplight diet. Yeah. And research shows this is a fairly effective way to teach even for adults Mm -hmm. at my work cafeteria for several years, we had stoplight symbols on our cafeteria foods. Instead of doing calorie counts, which were impossible to do because, you know, you know how this is. Suppliers change, portions change, everything changes, it seems like, every day. Yeah. So instead of putting calorie counts that were probably not all that accurate, we did just this. We set some criteria for what would be, you know, green, uh, yellow, and red. Uh-huh. And I like this approach that she had for 
doing this around the holidays. Mm-hmm. And the other thing that I really liked was to talk about them, you know, not saying you got to get through the go foods to get through the woe foods. And this is something that is difficult for parents because they say, well, you need to eat the vegetables before you can have the cookie. Mm-hmm. Were you part of the clean plate club? I think I remember you saying Yep, that. absolutely. Yeah, my parents did that to me. Starving right. kids and, all over the world. Yep. Right. And, you know, this is, this is difficult because parents don't want their kids to just eat cookies. They want them to eat the vegetables. Sure. Absolutely. That's very normal. That's very normal. Right. right. But it takes multiple exposures, like 20? Yes. <laughs> for a child to even try a new food. And so there's a difference. And I really like Michelle's idea. There's a difference between an exposure to a food versus you have to take a bite or you have to take two bites or you have to eat this entire serving before you can have dessert. Yes. Um, I loved her idea. I wrote this down when I was re-listening to this bargaining for bites, not a good thing. Right. Um, No. See, and and that's what she was talking about is just an exposure is, is simply putting it on the plate. An exposure could be the child actually smells the food. They don't have to actually eat the food. Right. And it's especially around this holiday time, again, as we're getting into the end of this year and the beginning of next year, I liked her idea of pair that yellow light food, that slow down food. Now, here's the thing. We could argue all day long, what is a yellow light food? And I think we're kind of good with green foods. We all kind of think the same way on that. Mm-hmm. But we could probably ar- yellow all, you know, argue all day long where pizza belongs. Is it a yellow? Is it a red? If it's got veggies on it, is it green? I mean, there's yeah. lots of there's lots of things here. Uh-huh. Um, but if you are a parent, one thing you can do around the holidays, for example, is if you have Christmas cookies in the house and your child wants one, say, okay, we're going to have dinner and we're going to put the Christmas cookies out with dinner. Mm-hmm. And you can select from everything that we have out on the table. Mm-hmm. And if you choose not to eat the vegetable, that's okay. Mm-hmm. But not saying you know, you have to eat this vegetable before you can have. Right. That's a, that's a hard thing as a parent. To yeah. Let go of it is. Um, and, and so you, a parent might be really hesitant about that. And I feel like, you know, even let's say worst case scenario, your child only eats the cookies that you put out and they take nothing else for on their plate except for cookies. But what are the consequences of that? Maybe you let that happen. Maybe you let them have just a cookie and then maybe they're hungry again in an hour. You know what I mean? Like they're not going to be satisfied. And then you can, that's a teachable moment then to talk to them about why it was important for them to eat more than just cookies at that dinner. Right. I think that's great. You know, this is a, you're interested in this line of thinking as a parent I, I, this was recommended in the podcast episode and I can't recommend this woman enough. Mm-hmm. Ellen Satter is just the guru of everything. And her division of responsibility is just pretty much what I explained. Uh-huh. As a parent, you provide the food items, you provide the structure of the meal mm-hmm. and the kid decides, and this is hard, how much of that they're going to eat or yep. any of that that they're going to eat. Exactly. Um, this is a great way to teach that independent feeding, independent eating skills, mm-hmm. and 
to essentially sort of train a what we call a normal eater. If you go to Ellen's website, that's what she talks about is mm-hmm. the goal is normal eating where you're not thinking to, about too much about food at all. Yeah. You're thinking about, you know, you get your food, you enjoy it, but then you don't have to think about it in between mm-hmm. meals. Yeah. So this was a, re- I really enjoyed listening to this and, mm-hmm. um, you know, this is one to go back and listen to, especially if you're getting through this holiday season. Maybe the kids are home from school. There's lots of good good foods around, lots of junk food. Yep. Time to maybe revisit this one. So very and good. Something you said at the beginning, I just wanted to kind of think, I, I thought about this as you were saying it is, the way you said it is, if you think about your kids, you're not going to not let them have treats. I think us adults need to think about that too. Don't go through this holiday season saying, I'm going to... I'm not going to have something that you, you know, like treats or whatever it is. It's everything in moderation and maybe figuring that out that goes slow and well. Yep. You know, have those cookies with your dinner, have your cookies with your snack. Yes. You know, than just eating cookies here and there all day. Yep. hundred percent. Yep. All, all right. right. Let's. Okay. So this next one is. We called it Facts and Fallacies, and we had a guest speaker of Jennifer McCann. The original air date on this was June 18th of 2020. And basically, it was three dietitians. We all kind of sat around and dished on how we handled misinformation that is fed to our clients. It started because Jennifer McCann reached out to me because she had a question about how to handle that for some of her clients. And and so it was, uh, I thought a, a good conversation to have with everyone is because we all kind of have that misinformation coming at us at all times. Uh, we see it and we know it, but other, you know, you just don't know what to trust and what not to trust. And sometimes, as we talked about in the episode, it comes from our doctors. Our doctors may have the best intentions, but when they're talking to their patients, they may be misleading or misunderstood. Like the one client that Jennifer talked about, about the doctor told her to not eat carrots, but was it really that they talked about not eating carrots? You know, like, so it can come from a lot of variety, the internet, as well as the news. And I think this is something that I've been thinking about a lot too with all the clients that I have right now is what people really want and what people really need is structure. And that's why they're looking for this information. And that's why they're trying to find this information out there. Right. Um, yeah. Uh, we also looked at some, I had done a survey of other local dietitians and what were their advice in terms of when somebody approaches them and asks them questions about fad diets or, you know, uh, doing certain things, uh, avoiding certain foods and things like that, or different things that they've maybe heard misinformation. And, uh, you know, some of the advice is, well, would you recommend the diet you're considering to a family member or a friend? Would you actually be telling somebody else they should do this diet? or this, whatever it is. And then, you know, can you see yourself following that diet for the rest of your life? Uh, and then how tied is the client? So is this person to the fad diet? Maybe, uh, if somebody comes to you and talks to you, maybe you can explore options. Sometimes, uh, let the person try the diet and run its course and see how, how that works for them. And, uh, 
the final piece of advice is just ask yourself, are you willing to do this, whatever this is, for the rest of your life? There might be helpful aspects to a diet. And so maybe focusing on that because some people come to you and they are just kind of looking for validation. They're looking to get affirmation on what they're doing. And so just kind of asking them what they're, what are they trying to accomplish and what are some ways that you can help with that? And then we talked about fad diets and what to look for. And basically is it that adage of if it, if it sounds too good to be true, it probably is. Right. Yes. So many areas of life. It applies to so many areas of life. So if something promises a quick fix, uh, if it promotes magic foods or combination foods, uh, if it implies that your food can change your body chemistry, you, we had talked about that because we get a lot of questions on that. And then, or excludes or restricts foods or food groups also. Right. And these are the types of things that are not going to be sustainable in a long-term basis. So right. I, I love that she, you know, talked about misinformation from the internet and from news, but also from providers. And I know that, Physicians, nurse practitioners, physician assistants have a ton on their plate, pun intended. They're, you know, trying to deal with all aspects of a person's medical condition. But what I have found often is that I will have people come to me and say, my doctor said X, this. Mm -hmm. They didn't even listen to me when I said I couldn't do that. Can you help? Yes. And so if you have been... You had this experience with a provider and you've got some advice that just doesn't sound realistic for you, call a dietitian. <laughs> you know, call Laura's office, right. call my hospital, and we will be happy to talk about something that actually works for you. I've had, yes. you know, several patients come to me sort of like throwing up their hands saying, I have all of this stuff that I'm supposed to be doing and I don't know how to do it. The doctors don't have time and, and I don't blame them. I don't have time to do everything they do. Right. You know, right. They, you are really struggling with your diet, especially if you've been given a, 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 what feels like a very strict diet to follow. It's time to call in the expert. Yeah. It's time to call that dietitian. And with yeah. that, we're going to take <laughs> a hear from our favorite dietitian, Laura Poland. Yes. I, if I had music to play and play, no. <laughs> So yeah, I, I would like to do a little commercial to tell you a little bit about my dietitian-led three-month group program. This is where I'm hoping to help people establish health habits that will help them live a healthy, have a healthy relationship with food and live your best lifestyle. So you will re like review your current status on eight habits that we're going to talk about each week. And with me and the dietitians at Dietitian in Your Kitchen, you're going to create goals to improve your ha habits and firmly establish a healthy lifestyle. The benefits to the program is, well, first of all, if you sign up now, I'm giving you access to my on-demand nitty-gritty of nutrition program, which is an on-demand video of me and the dietitians at Dietitian in Your Kitchen. We have five-minute videos every day you'll get, and then you'll learn information. For example, what is a carbohydrate? I mean, basic information about the nitty gritty of nutrition, but also about 
uh, lifestyle and uh, stress. We talk about a lot of things in that program. And so you'll get access to that now. The classes start January 10th, though. And when, in the classes, you'll get weekly goal setting with the dietitian. You'll complete a healthy habit assessment at the beginning and at the end of the course. We'll do a weekly review of your goal and check in with the dietitians weekly via chat. And then you'll have access to ask your questions in a healthy chat anytime, Monday through Friday, if you have any questions about hey, I heard this. This is why it's good that we just talked about that podcast. Uh, you know, and hey, ask the dietitian. You have access for three months during this time to ask any of those questions and anything that comes up. And a lot will in January, I'm anticipating, right? <laughs> and then also, of course, I have my seasonal recipes and resources available to everyone in the program. And we'll be using my healthy app to track your goals and your progress. And uh, you'll have then uh, the recommendations from the dietitians. This is a health coaching program. It is not an individual one-on-one. I'm not going to tell you how many calories you need or give you advice on medications, but we're going to talk about a healthy lifestyle in general. But I think a lot of people can get a lot out of that and working with the group is amazing. So it's going to be $200 a month for participants. The class size will be limited to 20 participants. It runs from January 10th uh, through April 3rd. And your first payment uh, will be collected when you sign up. And then one for three months until three payments are made. You'll have monthly payments. You'll sign up. And if you use... I have a promo code for our Secret Life Dietitian podcast listeners. Uh, the promo code is Secret Life, and you will receive $100 off your first payment. Uh, so that is basically my program in a nutshell. I hope you can join me. It is available to anyone and everyone all across America, all across the world. Uh, so we hope you can join us. All right. And now back to the show. I love the, this is the one good thing about COVID. You can, we can offer these virtual opportunities that maybe we didn't before yeah. or didn't think about doing, you know, yeah. but yes, if you are a listener, you're getting a hundred bucks off just by listening to this show yep. and using promo code. So that's really exciting. I'm glad you're doing this program. Thank you. It's so needed right now. Everybody just needs a little support. Yeah. I've done group classes like that. It's great. Yeah. You know, really participants bounce things off each other and you realize you're not alone. You you realize you're not alone in all this and that everybody's struggling with somewhat the same things. Yeah. 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 It's awesome. So back back to our review of our best of the best podcasts or the ones that you listen to the most on to supplements. You asked, we answered our original air date for this was April 27th of 2021. So we've moved into this year. (laughs) (laughs) So we had, uh, we'd opened up this question to our social media friends, just Facebook friends and Instagram, and even through Secret Life Dietitians asking for what you wanted to hear about in terms of dietary supplements. And so we talked about some of the common myths around dietary supplements. We talked a little bit about regulation of that, and we'll talk about that here in a minute. But As we went through this podcast, Laura brought up some good points, and then I was able to answer those. And so I kind of want to just review some of those high points today. 
But like I said, if you're interested in this topic, this would be probably worth going back and listening to for more specifics. The first one was that supplements cannot replace a bad diet. Yep. So many of us take vitamin and mineral supplements, whether that's a multivitamin and mineral supplement or something specific like vitamin C or vitamin D, often as what we would consider sometimes an insurance policy against a bad diet. So here's the thing. You know, you don't have to have a perfect diet every day and eat five to nine servings of fruits and vegetables every day to have a well-balanced diet. I always think we kind of grade on the curve, <laughs> grade <laughs> on an average in, in nutrition. Exactly. Yeah. You'll have days where you eat only one or two servings of fruits and vegetables, and then another day where you're just on fruits and vegetables all day. So the question is, if you are concerned about not getting something specific in your diet, would a dietary supplement be equivalent to food? And I think we answered that question in the podcast. There are things in food that we haven't even identified that are not necessarily just vitamins and minerals. Mm -hmm. There are phytochemicals in cherries and apples that we don't have names for yet. (laughs) You know, we know, for example, that calcium from supplements may not be as effective as calcium from food. And frankly, calcium from supplements can have unwanted side effects if you take too much, Mm -hmm. you know, for example, with the formation of kidney stones. So if you are really concerned about dietary deficiency, if you can look at food first. Now, if you have a legitimate malabsorption issue through maybe surgery or a GI condition, you may need a dietary supplement. If you've had documented blood work done that shows a deficiency, and when I say blood work, I mean blood work from a physician, not necessarily something you sent away for, um, <laughs> blood work from a physician that says you have a documented deficiency. For example, vitamin D deficiency is fairly common. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe at some point you do need something short-term to kind of boost those levels. But not necessarily this is a recommendation for everyone. And frankly, supplements for heart disease, cancer, brain health, you name it, they just haven't really panned out the way we'd hoped. So, you know, if you're thinking I'm taking a supplement to help prevent cancer or prevent Alzheimer's disease, it just probably isn't going to do what you think it does. Right. There are other ways to focus on chronic disease prevention besides popping a dietary supplement. The other thing to remember is that you need to communicate with your physician about anything you take. The example we gave in the podcast was St. John's Wort, and St. John's Wort interferes with many things. I think about now even just people being on all these medications for COVID, and I was like, I just don't even know, like, what would St. John's Wort do to one of them? I mean, it just kind of, it's a concern. So if you are taking dietary supplements, it is very important that you're honest with your physician. I mean, I even tell my doctor that I take fiber. I mean, yeah. you know, it's such a minor thing, but I think it's really important to be quite upfront with your providers. That's mm-hmm. what they're there for. And then, you know, if you are going to select a supplement that you look for a some type of quality seal and recalling though from the podcast, and this is a good thing to know that that quality seal has nothing to do with effectiveness. It really doesn't. Right. It has everything to do with just what is on the label, 
What you're paying for is what is in the tablets or in the capsules or in the bottle. Mm-hmm. It has nothing to do with, does this, you know, make my hair grow better? Or does this, you know, right. d- does this uh, give me extra calcium, you know, or even do, does this necessarily boost my mood or something mm-hmm. like that? And then reminder also that natural does not always equal safe. Mm-hmm. You know, lots of things in our natural environment, we probably shouldn't put in our bodies. And this is the case with dietary supplements too. There have been dietary supplements that have been recalled for killing people, for lack of a better phrase. Yeah. And you're selecting a dietary supplement, it's probably a good idea to do some research on what you're going to pick. Look for that quality seal. Look for a well-known brand. Try to stay a thing away from things with sort of proprietary blends, particularly things that are not made in this country. Yeah. That could coming from other areas of the world that may or may not have better regulation than we do, which is right. But yeah, if you are thinking about a dietary supplement, but I also think it's good if you are a reasonable eater, if you're a reasonable balanced diet person, you may not need a dietary supplement at all. And I remember reading this once that the people who take multivitamins are the people who probably need them the least. Yeah, exactly. What do they call us in the like the literature? The worried well. The worried you well. Know? Yes. Uh-huh. Right. Right. Yeah. It's it, it really people who need dietary supplements are chronically unable to get fruits and vegetables. Maybe they're in a situation where finances are an issue where they really can't, or they're in a food desert where they can't get these things on you know even a weekly basis. Mm-hmm. That's the person who needs a dietary supplement or somebody with a, a legitimate malabsorption condition, but. The rest of us, maybe not. And if you have a pile of dietary supplements collecting dust in your cabinet, maybe it's time to look through them and say, what am I taking and why? And do I, would I be better to take that money that I'm spending on all of these supplements and just buy more fruits and vegetables and whole grains? Yes. But dietary supplements are more expensive. So that's, I think that's a good one to look back on. And we have other episodes we've talked about supplements, but this one was kind of just a general review and we got into some more specifics, vitamin D, collagen, uh, protein for athletes and other episodes that you can listen to from last spring. So yeah. Awesome. Good job. Good, good review. That's always a good one to, to talk about. And there's always, it seems like updates and new supplements out there on the market all the time. So, all right. So this next one was put on the spot. The original air date was March 25th, 2021. And basically I had gotten a phone call from some random person who said, I need to talk to a dietitian. I have a question. And he proceeded to, and I said, fine, I'm a dietitian. And I let him ask his question and it had to do with Twinkies. So I'll let you re, you know, if you want to look at, listen to the podcast, it was basically asking about Twinkies and a healthy diet and what are the, what is the place in there? So I had to kind of think on my feet. And so we talked about how dietitians normally have to do this quite a bit. And since it was March and March is National Nutrition Month for us dietitians, we took kind of 20 tips and we took turns uh, kind of going through a lightning round of what's your best advice for this. So I'm going to just kind of tease this one out and you guys can go back and listen to this episode if you'd like. But this is one of my favorites. This is awesome. It was fun. I think we'll have to do it again for National Nutrition Month next month, next year. Uh, but we said, you know, okay, so the first tip was 
eating breakfast. You know, what is your advice on eating breakfast, starting your breakfast, starting your day with breakfast? I talk about that a lot with my clients. So (laughs) number two is make half your plates fruits and vegetables and add some color and, and flavor and texture to your meals. Number three was watch portion sizes. When you use half your plate as fruits and vegetables, portion sizes kind of follow along with that. We talked about being active and regular physical activity and what's our best advice for that. We also talked about getting to know the food label and reading nutrition facts labels. And we talked about fixing healthy snacks, consulting a dietitian, no matter what, if you have questions or if you've been told to lose weight or if you have a chronic disease or you just have some tummy issues. That happened to me on Facebook the other day. Somebody said, hey, I'm having these symptoms and everybody started giving out all this advice. And I said, oh, wait, because, you know, some of the advice was avoid this, avoid that. And I'm like, before you start eliminating things from your diet, you might want to talk to a professional because you might be causing yourself extra problems in the long run. (laughs) Uh, So for example, we've talked about this in the podcast before, but eliminating gluten when you haven't diagnosed yourself yet to make sure that you don't have celiac. You don't want to eliminate gluten until you have talked to your doctor. Uh, We talked about following food safety guidelines in terms of food safety and our best tips for that drinking more water or more fluids throughout the day. And uh, we talked about getting, uh, you know, preparing foods, cooking at home. I think that's something we all do more of now since COVID too and continue to do so. I know I do. Ordering out without ditching your goals. We talked also about family mealtime tips and lunch tips, avoiding that brown bag boredom, mm-hmm. reducing added sugars in our foods and our drinks. We talked about how to add seafood more in our diet and what the recommendation is there. Exploring new foods and flavors when you're shopping. And then experimenting with plant-based meals, adding those in even if it's just once a week or something like that. And making an effort, we talked about how to reduce food waste, slow down at meals, and finally we ended up with supplements as well and what you needed to know about supplements in a nutshell. (laughs) So if you want like 45 minutes of literally like rapid fire right? Discussion. This is maybe the podcast. If you have a short attention span, maybe this is the podcast for you. <laughs> it goes really quickly. Yep. And, you know, we don't spend more than a couple minutes on each. And I think that's a good thing sometimes just to get a little bit. Um, a little bit of everything. Idea. Right. A little bit of everything. It's kind of a, a potpourri, it was uh, a- if you will, about um, very different things about nutrition. So we revisit that one uh, from March of 2021, and we will probably do it again in March of 2022. It yes. might be fun to bring like another dietitian on for that one, just to like put them on the spot too. Oh, that's a good idea. <laughs> then we're not on the but spot. Is, I'll be the moderator. Okay. Not our participant. <laughs> <laughs> and so we're going to wrap up this episode and 2021 talking about calories in calories out. And this is one of the most popular podcasts we've ever had popular episodes that we've ever had because people want to know what is the secret to weight loss? What do you know that I do not know? <laughs> 
And so this was a two-parter that aired in July and August of 2021. And we talked about a variety of things (laughs) in these two episodes. We really broke down what makes up your metabolic rate. And it's more than you think it is. It's more than just going to the gym. There is a rest. Right. Yeah. I was going to say, yeah, it's more than just a gym. It's, it's everything that goes into that calories burning and whether you go to the gym or not, you're burning calories obviously every day. So So think of your metabolism like a pie and you know, a good part of that pie is your resting metabolic rate. Mm-hmm. Then the rest of the pie is made up with that thermic effect of food. Believe it or not, it takes calories to eat calories. Yeah. Uh, and we're not talking about celery and cucumbers here. We're talking about it takes calories to digest food. Yep. Your um, metabolic rate. I always tell my clients your metabolic rate responds to not just your exercising or your activity level, but it's also responding to you eating food. Right. And then finally, we put physical activity on that pie. But really, the vast majority of your metabolism is your metabolic rate. Mm -hmm. And what we see in many diet programs, um, tracking programs, apps, is that often people are told to eat well below their resting metabolic rate. Yes. And that is a sign a fad diet. <laughs> like that's a sign that somebody doesn't know what they're doing. Yeah. Putting you this far outside of a medically supervised weight loss program, which I know there are a place for those. Mm-hmm. When we talk about like logging on to the most popular app or mm-hmm. just putting stuff in like a calorie tracking app, you know, you can put, I want to lose two pounds per week. But I remember in that episode, you Laura were like, for women, that's a horrible idea. Women should never be allowed to put two pounds per week. Right. It should just not be allowed. It should not be allowed. Drop your calories so low Mm -hmm. that it would be well under the calories you need just to literally exist. Right. And when you, when you do that, you run the risk of bringing that your body's an amazing adjusting machine. It will adjust to that. And it will bring your metabolic rate down. Who wants to eat less calories? Right. (laughs) We talked about, we talked about, you know, can you increase your metabolism? And I think in some parts you can maybe minorly adjust your metabolism up. Mm -hmm. You can also adjust it down by losing weight. Believe it or not, Mm -hmm. actually adjust your metabolism down. Mm -hmm. Ask the people that were on The Biggest Loser what happened to them and their Mm -hmm. metabolisms. They dropped significantly. Um, and you, I, you mentioned the neuroscientist video. I used this video in a class um, a few weeks ago, and I just love it. I, I love it. I'll post that link again. It's worth your 15 minutes. If you're just bored one day and want to pop on YouTube, it's a great review of that set point idea mm-hmm. that we have a, a weight within 10 to 15 pounds where our body is very happy, where we can eat and enjoy our lives and exercise in a reasonable manner and not be obsessed with calorie counts and generally stay in that area. Unfortunately, that set point may not be the point you want. Right. You know, and that is hard for people because they want to reach that ideal body weight. And that may not be feasible or reasonable for many people. Yeah. Um, So we talk about, you know, what would a 10% weight loss look like? 
what would a happy weight look like? What would be a weight? And many people have told me, you know, if I get down to my ideal body weight, I look sick. People tell me I look horrible. You know, right. right. Well, then don't look like that. <laughs> you know, let's, let's, let's talk about a weight that's maybe 15 or 20 pounds heavier where you look good. You're happy with the way you look, happy with the clothes you're in, mm-hmm. maybe not getting down to that ideal body weight. And maybe it's not necessary. We talked about uh, yo-yo dieting and how yo-yo dieting is not really a good thing. Uh, unfortunately, most of us have done it and many people will continue to do it because the success rates for traditional dieting are astronomically low. It is the only industry where the person is blamed for the failure and not the diet and not the, the product. Product is not the problem. You are. It's your willpower. Um, right. We have a whole episode on willpower if you want to revisit that as well. <laughs> But yo-yo dieting is not a good thing. So if you're thinking about a new diet as we go into 2022, just as we've said tonight through this whole podcast, can you see you yourself doing this forever? You know, can you imagine going to birthday parties and not eating cake because you're going to turn on 10 pounds overnight from your low-carb diet? Right. Eating that cake? You know, if you cannot see yourself doing something realistically forever, then it's maybe time to take a different approach. And this is where working with a dietitian that's our secret. That's maybe what we've learned in 57 episodes. Yeah. Is, you know, it's not formulaic. It's not, you know, the, this will work for everyone. Everybody's different. I have patients who do very well on low carb and love it and are willing to do this forever. And I have patients who are like, I can't imagine life without bread. Well, then Mm -hmm. let's work with that. But the only, really, the only profession that can help you do this is a registered dietitian because we have the time to break it down for you. Yeah. So, you know, maybe that's our secret in 57 episodes is, you know, work with somebody who can actually help you work with somebody who has the time. And not every person clicks with every dietitian. That's the other thing. I've had many people say, I've been to other dietitians before. It didn't work. Yeah. Just like doctors. I mean, you know, you would never say, well, I'm never going to the doctor again because I didn't like that guy, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and, you know, so same thing with dietitians. If you yeah. find you don't yeah. click with a person, find somebody else. There are a million of us out there. You yeah. Know? I think I think the big thing that I've, you know, the big takeaway, I think, for the secret with dietitians is like you were saying, it's everybody's different. So it can't be a diet, it needs to be a lifestyle. It can't be something that's temporary, it needs to be something you're going to live with, and you're going to be able to, to live with for a long period of time, you know, for the rest of your life. And it changes too, as you go through your life. And so you have to have that flexibility. Uh, I wish people would know it's not all or nothing. And this is what we're here to help you do is to get past those hurdles when they come at you during life. Maybe you get your lifestyle going, but then you have an issue, come back to us, but you know, get, get on the right path up for you. And that's why you got to work on what works best for you and create that lifestyle that works best for you. Right. Well, thank you for joining us as we end up with 2021 here, hoping for a better 2022 for all. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Omicron can just go. I'm not, I'm not. <laughs> uh, 
But if you would like to revisit these podcasts, again, you can reach those through the show notes tonight. You can go back to your podcast apps. Um, most of them should be there, although we're having a little trouble finding some tonight. You're not able to find them on your Spotify or your Apple Podcasts or whatever app you're using. Yeah. Then go through those show notes. Take a look at that YouTube video from that neuroscientist. Again, that's a fun one. Even just maybe sit down and watch with your spouse. Uh, it's a really interesting perspective. Yeah. And I remember there's another one out there that I like on fad diets. I'm going to put that out there for everyone in the show notes. Fantastic. So we look forward to 2022. We actually already have an episode planned that we're going to be recording here in a few days, (laughs) which is really out of the box, quite literally. Yes. (laughs) Really looking forward to it. That was a good teasing. (laughs) Join us in 2022. You can follow us on Instagram at the Secret Life Dietitians. You can email us at dish at secretlifedietitians.com. And we will see you next time wherever you get your podcasts. Happy, happy new year, everybody. Happy new year.